You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the notorious Robert Brickies in studio with us today. We are... I don't know. Does anybody else have basketball hangover this morning? No. Bricky, you asked me when I walked through the door, is this the craziest first two rounds of the NCAA tournament ever? And I try to keep things in context. Trent, you got those keys situated yet? Perfect. (laughs) I, I, I don't like to talk in terms of greatest or worst because we've we've been doing this for a long time right. and we've seen some stuff, but I'm going to tell you in recent memory, now nah, I don't I don't know that there's a a better chaotic tournament that I can think of where everybody's going down, and it was kind of capped off last night. Um, we're doing this on Monday, obviously, so um, capped off with Xavier getting walked down by Florida State and Florida State advancing to the Sweet 16 when it looked for all intents and purposes like Florida State was imploding, including Leonard Hamilton going after a player and grabbing him. And I thought they were going to fight on on the uh, sideline. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, what happened to the state of Ohio? Um, Ohio State rolled up into Gonzaga. And, you know, when you go down 15 nothing to start a ball game, it's it's tough. And if you look back at that game, if Ohio State gets a couple of those bunnies down that rolled out, maybe it's a different game. Gonzaga played well. In fact, Brandon, you've got Gonzaga making a, quite a run in this tournament. Now the door's sort of open for them. They're going to be there by themselves on my bracket because Michigan State got beat. But so. for the three big Ohio teams in this tournament, you, Ohio State goes out in the second round. You see in Xavier as a two and a one respectively – both of those teams had to be looking around them, looking at the carnage, thinking, okay, the door is open. Xavier had Florida State dead to rights. They're gone. And even worse than that, and I'm going to ask this question to Bricky because he has experience that none of us do. Don't you get, see the Virginia so game where Virginia goes down to UMBC, the Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, not to be confused with the Golden Retrievers. And you knew – Halfway through the second half, that game was over. And those kids are going to have to deal with that. Those Virginia Cavalier ballplayers and Tony Bennett and the fan base are going to have to deal with that forever, which is worse. To lose in a blowout like that or to lose a game like Cincinnati did against Nevada where they were up 22 with about 10 minutes to go and gacked it away. Which would you prefer if you had to choose one or the other? I'd rather get blown out. Yeah, I want to know it's over. I don't want to have the feeling of victory in my mind, and then out of the blue, we give up a twenty-nine to six run and lose late in the game. And it's interesting because we talked off air last week, 
and we were talking about UC, and I made the statement, it's a Mick Cronin team. And that carries its own description with it. And you know, Mick Cronin, they're going to play sound defense. It's not a good team. It's not going to beat itself. And that team absolutely panicked. And I saw Mick Cronin come completely out of character and saw him panic on the sidelines. And that team just crumpled. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Um, we're going to talk a lot of tournament today, but I really want to lead with UNC and their second-round game against Texas A&M. Sure. And, Brandon, I don't think that any realistic, rational fan over the course of the last months, no matter how hardcore they are a Tar Heel supporter, thought this is a Tar Heel team that's going to win a national championship. Nope. Roy Williams, I've said this before, seriously deserves consideration as the national coach of the year. What he did with the talent he had assembled this year was impressive, to say the least. I honestly believe, though, Texas A&M, with the level they're playing at now, with their roster constructed the way it is, could have played UNC ten times, and I'm not sure UNC could have beaten them. It was a horrible matchup. Well, it was for a the horrible Tar-Hans. matchup, but I texted you last night. I was like, they're the best team that I mean, I don't know if this makes sense. They're the best team I didn't know anything about. Like I was kind of watching them basically through highlights in ESPN. Um but seeing them, the difference between now, I think Duke's a better ball club. Don't get me wrong here, Brock Robert, but you know, Kay likes to play that zone. The difference between Texas AM's zone and Duke's is that those bigs are big enough, but they also extended towards the, the circle at the top of the key. So what we like to do is spread you around, the UNC players like to spread you around the perimeter and then hit you in the middle for a quick jumper. And they just didn't have any room. The other thing I noticed about Texas A&M, no superstars. I think Tyler Davis kind of stepped out as being the dominant player in this game, but they're solid. There's no weak leak. In the, on that team. And basically what happened was, and Roy, I will say this one thing, he's one of the best coaches that's ever done it, but when he was tw- up 20 to 13 and he went with his two young bigs at the same time, I thought it was a critical error. However, I agree with you. I don't think if he had run small the entire game, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. Yeah, being here in North Carolina, I've seen some uh, w- social media – here regionally has blown up and well Roy should have gotten a timeout right Roy should have done this Roy should have done that look this was a horrible matchup yeah this is the first time that any of us can remember that UNC has played an inside out type ball game where they rely on the three and look a lot like Duke normally looks alike so your strength is generally your bigs at North Carolina this is the opposite of that, where Luke May is the only real post presence, and he's an undersized guy. And when you run up into a team that can trot out that many bigs that have got that much skill with Robert Williams and Hogg and Tyler Davis, I've got to be honest, I've seen Texas A&M play a couple times this year, and the guy that jumped off the screen at me was Robert Williams because he's so long and so athletic and he's a great shot blocker. He was an afterthought. He was pulling down the rebounds, but Tyler Davis, the closest thing I can come up with is – it was like your uncle playing with the kids out in the street <laughs> in front of the house because he was so big, so strong, so savvy. Um, I don't know how that translates against anybody else, 
but against a UNC team that that whose strength is on the perimeter, it was a tough well, matchup. And then for them to to begin the game, what one of eleven from three, that was a recipe for disaster. Well, and you know Luke May got into early foul trouble, but again, it didn't matter. Like because Robert and I were talking about this on off air. Even when they got penetration, they almost wish they hadn't because the two bigs back down there. Did you? I don't know if you saw that block. That ball's still going somewhere. <laughs> like I mean, the, you know, and that was the thing. Carolina's not used to that. They're used to one or the other not being able to defend both penetration and the three. And uh, I'll tell you what, Tyler Davis. I'm a fan now because even him just playing a big, but he's got some moves too, close to the hoop. There was a couple of times where he squeezed in and got to the rim when I, I was like, there's no way he's getting there. And it's not just because we have Smalls as bigs. It was because of his athleticism. All right, I'm impressed. So, I'm a fan. So we'd be remiss if we if we scoot too far past Virginia. Right. Dropping their opening round game to UMBC. Who they lost that game? And here's the thing. If we go back to the tape, Mr. Atkins said that beyond any shadow of a doubt, this was the best year for one to go down to a 16. And I kind of laughed at him and said, there's no way that's going to happen. Now, to qualify that, Virginia did lose DeAndre Hunter to a broken wrist three days before the ball game. But UVA didn't show up for that game. And I don't want to take anything away from the University of Maryland, Boston, uh, Boston College. <coughs> University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Did I get that right, Trent? Yes. You confirm. They came out and left it all on the floor. And actually, watching their second round game, Kansas State dodged a bullet because UMBC had them in their sights and eventually just ran out of gas. But Virginia obviously hadn't prepared for that team, didn't know what they were walking into. And Jairus Lyles played out of his mind. And they shot as a team 70% from the field in the second half. And a Virginia team, we knew all along that a team that could come out and, and stress their offense and cause Virginia to have to put points up with them in, in a track meet, and then you subtract DeAndre Hunter from the equation, Virginia, everything just aligned, and I feel awful for those folks. But I feel really good for my partner here, Brandon Atkins. I've been on a heater, What man. say you? I've been on a heater. Like, I mean, the Super Bowl called it almost to perfection. The day before Louisville lose their banner, loses their banner, <laughs> what did I say? Louisville's banner is coming down. Nobody else was even reporting it. And here I go. I stand here amongst the laughter that I'm hearing back at my comments about this will be the first time a one goes down to a 16. Now, I had the team wrong. I mean, I thought it would be Xavier or Kansas. But uh, I'm going to let it marinate for a second. In the second segment, I had I'd been wanting to prepare like a written statement. Oh, my to God. Just, to like really <laughs> – and it, will you allow that? You did say I would have some time, right? I, I have to. <laughs> and here's the deal. When I do it in the next segment, I have a little speech prepared. But you don't rush me, okay? You can't chug fine wine, okay? You don't put tartar sauce on Chilean sea bass, okay? You don't put ketchup on – wait, I do put ketchup on steaks sometimes because <laughs> I'm a redneck. But – when the next segment comes, you got to give me at least two solid minutes. Okay? I will not put any tartar sauce on your Chilean sea bass. Uh, I promise. Okay, cool. <laughs> oh, my God. This is 
awful. Didn't we have a debate <coughs> where we had judges sitting here and you went off on no 16 seed will win and he had to... I didn't we have that I don't, remember, I don't have any recollection of that having well, happened. Well, you know what? It's funny. Yesterday... <laughs> and, and basically it came down to me and... I was right there with Brandon, so I got to sit in the back seat here on this victory parade. I think that <laughs> I think that I lost that debate, but only because I was no. Actually, no, you won, won because, because I was the loudest louder. and most obnoxious. Well, yeah. you know, the funny thing about it is, I was texting with Mr. Tim Copus, and mysteriously, he didn't have the tape right on hand. I wonder oh. who could have gone into Dropbox and deleted that tape because I was trying to find the exact sound. Oh, you should have texted me. Okay, I just need, I get it from you. I could have gotten it. You okay. think you could have gotten it? Poor Tony. Oh, no, Bennett. I could have. By the way, poor Tony Bennett. I mean, the poor way Tony he, Bennett oh. with his perfect life. We just talked about how good looking the guy is, how well dressed he is, how accomplished he is as a player, and now as a coach. And yes, he's dealing with adversity. If there's anybody well suited in life to deal with adversity, it's Tony Bennett. He's well, going to be okay. Well, I think that's where we have really botched this: is we can't give all these mad props to people because we know, right? jinx the heck out of them. We were trashing on Rory McIlroy the week <laughs> before, we and he wins the tournament. And now we're talking about Tony being the greatest thing since sliced bread and the most what handsome man do in the world. Is trash people. That we want to bet on those same people. <laughs> right. By the way. Hedging our bets. No, right. no big fan of Rory McElroy here. He's gone on record saying that they should limit yeah. the consumption of alcohol <laughs> at golf tournaments. That's un-American. That's un-American. And, I mean, you, you be me and I'm you and I'm calling you. Hey, Brandon, how you doing? Is that how you're going to do this? Yeah, bring. Hey, Brandon, how are you doing? Is that how I talk? Are you going to be Brandon or what? Oh, I'm going to be Brandon, but I need you to be me first. Hey, Brandon, how's it going? It's Chris. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> hey, do you want to go to the Wyndham with me? The Wyndham tournament down in Greensboro? Are drinks free? Oh, there's no alcohol. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> See you on the other side. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert. Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. This segment of the show is brought to you by The Steel Pig. Oh, nice. Located in downtown Sanford, 133 South Steel Street. Have at it. That's food around, right? Big news coming. Big news coming. Stay tuned. So, I did pick the number one uh, getting beat by a 16. So, we've covered that. But um, I thought long and hard about preparing a speech to gloat here in studio and, you know, a handwritten document to read off. And I realized the words just weren't coming to me. And then I realized that the words had already been written by 
none other than Big Daddy Kane himself. Oh, God. So I'm going to, it applies to me. So I'm just going to go ahead and read off. This is a Big Daddy Kane on the bug tip lyrics. So uh, sit back and enjoy this, okay? I hate to brag, but damn, I'm good. And if the mic was a gun, I'd be Clint Eastwood. And if rap was a game, I'd be MVP, most valuable poet on the MIC. And if rap was a school, I'd be the principal. I'll bleep it. The cane is invincible. To be specific, I may die one day, but my rhymes will remain like hieroglyphics. It's a certain special skill that takes much practice. I got it good. Apparently, you like this, Chris. Called you out specifically. So, so in turn, sit back and learn. Listen close. This is your own concern. Let me show you exactly how it's done. Lights, camera, action. End scene. Oh, dear. Dude, I never knew Big Daddy Kane mentioned Chris Lambert in one of his raps during the 90s. Because right? apparently he badass. likes this. <laughs> Thanks for that, Brandon. Thanks for that. Um, I may see a video in your future. I wonder if we can chop that up and put it over. I'll I need be, to go take my alfalfa tablet. Oh, Robert, my God. Robert, Robert I don't even think Robert's familiar with the alfalfa oh, tablets. We'll have to s- pull that up for him during the break. I'm sure that's one of those other clips that mysteriously oh, got no, deleted. Oh, it's probably there. Now, the problem with having so much going on in a single weekend is – Preparing for the show because we've got it. We, we don't have the luxury of doing this every day where we can do whatever's hot at any particular time. And I started several times to put notes together and kind of hit the story. And I, I do want to say this I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying that one of the coolest things I had prepared was when UC was up on Nevada in the second half. I had a whole litany of punchlines written about Nevada. <laughs> Because they celebrated their first round win as a seven over a ten against Texas, as if they had won the national championship, and then you take into account the fact that they're from Nevada, and not necessarily from Las Vegas, but you know there's a there's a reputation that comes. So I thought obviously there's a hangover, there's some hangover punchlines we can put this in because now they're getting drubbed by a real squad, and then they come back and win. So all that's out the door. <laughs> There were others, but this story, even though the UMBC Chesapeake Bay Retrievers have been bounced, this boggled my mind. We know that there have been several 15-2 upsets over the course of the last few years. In fact, it's happened every other year for for the last eight years, I believe. When that happens, this is how America works. Kids see that. And that consciousness of about that school rises and it affects the normal operations of that school. And Georgia State is one of these teams that won a couple of years ago in 2015-16. They got a win over Baylor as a 14 seed. And this is one of the, the, the biggest examples of this. The following year for the 2016-2017 school year, there was a 28.5% increase in applications for admission at Georgia State. That's what beating a three as a 14 did for that school. You can't buy that kind of 
of uh, increase in admissions and uh, applications. Florida Gulf Coast, when they became the first 15 to beat a two in 2013, their applications for admission jumped up by 17%. So there's, there's a lot in it for these schools. We don't know what the applications for admissions are going to do next year for UMBC, a school that up to this point had been known for what, Rick? Chess. They were chess champions. Right? I, that's a whole thing in and of – oh, my God. Did chess was what they were known for. But over the course of the weekend after that win, the social media traffic – related to UMBC was unbelievable. And there were 837 mentions on Twitter over the course of the next 12 hours or so. There were all of these stories done about the school and Yahoo Sports went and pulled it apart. And according to them, the value, I want I want somebody to take a guess because we live in a day and age when Kylie Jenner can say, I really don't like Snapchat anymore, and the value of the company drops by $2 billion. Somebody want to put a price tag on what they think the marketing value of what UMBC got in the first 24 hours after their win against Virginia was? It's going to be hard to guess. I mean, it's going to be a hard one. In the first 12 hours... It's estimated that the marketing value they got from the social media traffic and and, uh, web-based media was $139 million worth of marketing. Think about that. Well, just think about it this. What if, let's say Clemson wins the national championship. Got it. That's not. Okay, let's say say Duke wins it then, just for your sake, Robert. Five years from now, if you ask a question – who won the championship five years ago or who knocked off the first number one seed, people are going to say the Retrievers. They're not going to have a clue as to who won the championship at all. That's an excellent point. And I don't know that – it's one of those things people won't be able to put their, their finger on what year it happened. But it will be the two teams everybody will remember, passing sports fans. that That is Virginia's legacy this year is that – they're the answer to the trivia question. What was the first one to get knocked off by a 16? And people will remember UMBC. Well, the other thing is, <coughs> I think this guarantees that nobody in the history of filling out brackets will ever be able to pick a perfect bracket because everyone's going to try to find that 16 seed to be the next one right. to beat the one. Yeah, that's been my problem in the past with my well, brackets. Th- you're talking about probabilities. <laughs> Here's the other piece of that, too, is that when you consider – the team that would go down as a one, you would generally think, well, it's probably one of the one seeds that's been there a million times. Yeah, that's what I was I about mean, to say. How many times has Duke and, and UNC been a one seed? I've been saying that for <coughs> years. I'm like, <coughs> it's it's going to be Duke or one of the Blue Bloods, Carolina. It's going to be one of those guys. That's why I feel particularly bad for Virginia. You know, the first comment that's made, uh, what's the second or third worst? Well, the Chaminade loss is pretty up there. I mean, poor Virginia. They right. finally get up here. and That's an interesting point, is that now Virginia is the answer to a couple of trivia questions. And when you put it in the context of the greatest upsets of all time, one of the greatest upsets is the Chaminade victory. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
over Ralph Sampson in Virginia, and now they've got this to go with. And you would think when you're talking about Blue Bloods, whether it's Duke or UNC or Kansas or Kentucky, for those kids in those programs, being a one seed's not that big a deal because they're one seeds all the time. Right. For a school like Virginia that's only been one seed a couple of times, you think they're fired up, they're focused, you know, it's a big deal. But maybe it was the pressure that got to them. I don't know. And one way or the other, when we talk about this, we should not take away from what UMBC did. Mm-mm. This team, first of all, beat Vermont in the title game in their in their conference championship. They had lost 23 straight to Vermont. Vermont was a prohibitive favorite. They were the one seed. They had beaten UMBC twice. UMBC went to Vermont and beat them in their gym to get in in the first place. So this is a team that was hot. This is a high-energy team. Their coach now is everybody's darling. That's the downside for UMBC is he's going to be – They offered him a new contract. Oh, I bet they did. He's making about 230 k right now. They've offered him a long-term deal. And, of course, he gave us a standard answer that I want to be here. I love this place, blah, blah, blah. But he'll be signed at – not Georgia. And he has ties to Virginia. His father coached for Virginia, was an assistant coach. Well, I mean, I think there's some – you're rolling your eyes, Chris, like he's going to be gone. But, I mean, like, look at Mark Few and uh, Gonzaga. I mean, there's something to be said for taking a program. Now, let's pump the brakes just a little bit. <laughs> Listen, he's making 230 now. I'm sure somebody's coming with a $2 million offer. And, and he, he'll be out of there. And here's the other piece of that, too. And you might be right. He could be a guy who's like, you know what, I've seen his dad was a college coach who, you know, was all over the place. Some people are not down to live that transient lifestyle that, that being a coach entails. However, when you look geographically, UMBC is in a completely different situation than Gonzaga because Gonzaga has a region in which it's really the only game in town. UMBC smack right in the middle of a, a you know a dozen top shelf universities. It's got to compete Plus with professional sports. Yeah, so you've got from facilities and from boosters and all the rest of that stuff. You know, there's a there's a limited pool of resources to. But they they did just pull. open a uh, ninety million dollar facility. Chess facility. They built a $90 million chess arena? Well, they play chess on the one side. But they've got a brand new arena. I mean, I know that doesn't account for everything, but when four or five schools come knocking with guaranteed five-year and $2 million a year plus his incentives – yeah, yeah. Two, 230 a year is nothing to turn your nose up at. But when you start talking about a couple of million dollars a year, you're only going to get that many chances in life. And where could your stock possibly be higher? Right. So I would have to think Coach Odom is going to bounce. And, you know, he may use this as a springboard, and he may be a guy that, you know, is is one of the best coaches in the country at some point. Or he may be a guy that goes out to, you know, Georgia or wherever the case might be and is gone after three or four years and crying into his money. There's no telling. Um, Do you, you notice something that virtually all, almost all of the teams that were – I guess we'll hit it on the other side. I guess we Don't will. Have enough time. If you can get to it. No, You're I listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 
6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones, and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. I'm not. M2. I'm not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. All right, welcome back to the second half hour from the Cheap Seats. As always, on Wednesday evening, we'll be at Libations hosting Trivia. And this week, I think in honor of the first weekend of the uh, NCAA tournament, we'll do classic upsets. Biggest upsets of all time will be the sports category this week. So come on out, check us out. Uh, We run from six to eight. We'll do five or six rounds it's a good time whether you win or lose. Great prizes and um, just a cool place. Downtown Sanford. So if you're close, come on in. 6, 6.15, we get started. We try to be done right at 8 o'clock so you can get home to get back to adulting at some point. Um, we were talking before the break about Ryan Odom at UMBC and how he's got a window right now where his coaching stock is as high as it's going to be for a while. Because honestly, at a, at a program as small as UMBC, success annually is going to be winning your conference tournament and getting into the NCAAs. If he were to go to UMBC and qualify and get into the NCAAs for the next three or four years and be one and done, who cares? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's on that wave right now. Everybody loved the intensity with which his team played so his stock is as its highest. So yeah, you've, got to, you've got to capitalize. I agree. Like in the movie Kingpin, don't get Monson's. Remember the guy's name became a, a thing? <laughs> right. Don't get Kevin Ollie'd, okay? <laughs> Kevin Ollie, I mean, he got paid, but Kevin Ollie was getting pro offers. You need to take get while the getting's good. So Yeah, Kevin Ollie was reading his own press and thought yeah. this was easy. Yep. This was easy. And Based on now Calhoun's players. Yes. He won a title. Right. Yes, he did. Exactly Well, right. let's look at the numbers. You know, I'm a financial advisor, so I think Odom goes five-year, guaranteed, two mil. It's $10 million. After taxes, it's about six mil. 
after your expenses, you could bank $3 million. You know what $3 million can do for you annually? I don't. Because I've never <laughs> had $3 million annually. So, so Hold on, let me check so, my pockets so real that's, quick. So Odom's 40-something, so that takes him into 50. I mean, you bank $3 million by the time you're – and I'm sure he's got savings, but he can set himself up and his family forever if he manages it the right way. Hold up. So a, if he hired you to be his financial manager, he would be set. So Ryan Odom, here's the call going out to you. Sign that $2 million a year deal for five years. Call Bricky. Bricky's going to set it up, and he's going to split the commissions with the four of us, and we're all everybody's going to be happy. It's going to be beautiful. Well, you can't say that. It's illegal. Oh, is that illegal to do that? <laughs> yeah. I shouldn't have said that. It's a good thing I don't carry any license. <clears throat> hey, don't no, worry about I'm it. I'm with you because if you take that kind of cheese over the course of a five-year period, or, you know. It's just Robert's livelihood that you just messed with I, on <laughs> air. Thanks. Nobody takes me seriously. Well, we were talking about Ryan Odom and his stock at being at its highest, and this is going to kind of go backwards if you don't listen to the context because we have bashed Trey Young all year. And I do have to relate. We we take digs at ESPN on occasion. But I'm going to tell you that Friday evening I had to, I had to take a trip and I was listening to coverage of the tournament on the radio. And good job, CBS, by the way, on television – for sticking with these games and not jumping in and out on the networks that they carried it on. They basically said, and said, these are the four channels you can watch on every game in its entirety, and it's been very easy to bounce across the dial. On radio, it's been a completely different animal, ESPN, where they've stuck with games that are blowouts when there's a barn burner going on, and even across the three channels on the ESPN dial, you can't get anything. It's been a mess. So in the middle of tournament play, I'm stuck listening to a talk show on ESPN, and I'm not even going to say who it was, but they actually uttered the words, well, Oklahoma shouldn't have been in the tournament in the first place. Well, cool that you figured that out now. I've had passing sport fans, sports fans, Tell me over the last week or so, you know the only reason Oklahoma's in is because ESPN gassed him up over the course of the last three months. Yeah, I do know that. Yeah, the same dude probably said, I got Syracuse in my Final Four, too. Yeah, right. I picked them early. <laughs> the, the, whole, the whole Oklahoma thing and Trey Young is a creation of the media. And when I say that, I'm looking right at you, ESPN. So how dare you complain about the fact that Oklahoma shouldn't have been in because you're the entity – that created the momentum that got him in there. Ooh, Trey you Young just got your wrist popped by Chris Lambert, ESPN. Trey oh. Young was never, after about the first ten games of the season, a legitimate contender to be Player of the Year. But you guys wouldn't let it go. So I got a question: Are we the ones? Are we paying too much attention, close attention to sports? Because ESPN gets something huge, especially in men's basketball, wrong every year. Like last year. What was the big one? Played at Duke, Jason Tatum. Oh, Tatum. clueless, clueless about Jason they, Tatum. I don't think anybody at ESPN had actually seen Jason Tatum play before the draft, so, and we screamed as loud as we possibly could. Jason Tatum's best player in this draft. Jason Tatum is your lock to be a number one. Take him or rue the day that you passed. He essentially had to dress up in a Celtics uniform for them to go, oh, yeah, Jason Tatum was a great college yeah. player. Jason Tatum's pretty doggone good. 
But yeah, you're absolutely right. Now that right. said, yeah. I don't remember us pimping Donovan Mitchell, who may actually be the best player out of this draft. But that's a completely. It's probably thing. in the tape. That but the got point deleted. was, we we pointed out all the flaws with Markel Fultz, and Fultz may turn out to be a great player, but it's hard to imagine him being better than Jason Tatum based on what we've seen up to this point. Tatum's just nasty, and always was. But my point with Trey Young, to get back to that, is as much as we have bashed Trey Young and said this guy is not a legitimate NBA player, this guy is not a dominant college player, he should go to the draft right now. Run. Sign with an agent, commit, go balls out for this, and go to the NBA because his stock cannot go any higher than it is right now. And everywhere I went, I'd I'd wear platforms too because he's not tall enough, not near tall enough to play in the league. And a fat suit. <laughs> yeah, wear a muscle suit with platforms <laughs> everywhere you go. Bricky, I want to give you a chance to go on record one more time about Trey Young. If you were hired by the, the Charlotte Hornets, and I want to talk about some Hornets stuff here in a little while, but if you were asked to consult and scout for the draft for the Hornets, which is a distinct possibility, what would your scouting report on Trey Young look like? He's he's got a defined skill set. He can shoot. He can pass when he decides to. His shot selection is horrendous, and he has no interest in defense. So I think he can get better. I think he, he can be a pro. I don't think he'd be a very good pro. I think he's a little undersized. And at, at that size, you've got to be able to bl- bl- be blazing fast and go by people. He can't do that. So he, he has to uh, use his shot to set up his drive. So that'll get him over. But I think he'd be an okay pro. I would not draft him. Okay. But if I were him, I'd run for the draft. Let me hit you with a little Sophie's Choice action here. If you had to save for your own purposes either Lonzo Ball or Trey Young for certain death to have on your team, which one would you save? They're in quicksand. You can only save one. <laughs> no doubt, Lonzo Ball. Okay. okay. Well, no that, that says not even close. Wow. That says a lot for anybody that's that's listening that's new to this because you're no fan of Lonzo Ball. No, I'm. I love Lonzo Ball. It, oh, it's oh. his dad. That's the okay problem. All right. So it, you're it, on record. I love Lonzo Ball. We're gonna it, extract just that little bit and make it part of a promo. I think you know what? I think he. He can create a winning culture by the way he plays. And that's a rare talent. And I love his shot from his belt buckle. That, that's really sweet. Well, that's, that's horrendous, too. <laughs> you, you said shot selection. And watching the end of the, of the Rhode Island-Oklahoma game in the, in the uh, first round, Rhode Island comes out on top 83-78 in overtime. But halfway through the overtime period, a third of the way into the shot clock, Trey Young – pulled up and shot a contested 40-footer from the NCAA logo. That, to me, encapsulates everything that that kid is about. And in the YouTube generation, that kind of stuff plays. Yeah. Part of it to me is coaching. I've got to pull a kid to the side and say, listen, we've got to define what a good shot means. And he's a gifted kid, so you got to give him a little leeway. But Lon Kruger seemed like he gave him a complete green light, and it killed them at times. There would be times 
down the stretch of a game, he take bad shots or forced shots, and it would have killed his team. And I could watch the reaction of his teammates, yeah. and they're like, this dude, yeah, here he goes again. You know, But he early in the year, he was averaging like 10 assists a game, and he fell off. Well, just take – let's say you were coming out of high school. If Trey Young stays, would you go to no. Oklahoma and want to play no. with him? I mean, he's a straight-up black hole, right? Right. Am I- Agreed. And he's the guy that's got the ball in his hand every time down the floor. And these kids come from situations where they have always been the guy, and now you're playing with this kid at point guard and you're standing around watching. Hard to stay motivated. But you said something about coaching and how do you react to this. And I want to relate. We don't talk much about the Hornets here lately or haven't because they haven't been very good. We all agreed coming into the season, and most of the pundits nationally looked and said, you know, Charlotte's got a, a reasonable chance to be a 7 or an 8 seed and get into the playoffs this year, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Steve Clifford came in there and is the head coach now, and I, I just want to relate something, and I want some perspective on it. Willie Hernan Gomez, the, the deadline deal that the Hornets made, they plucked this guy who was stuck in a bad situation with the Knicks, not getting any minutes, and they pulled him out there and said there might be something in this guy. It was partially a, a, a salary cap move, but they felt like they had a good rotational piece to put in. He's gotten to Charlotte and is playing fewer minutes now than he even played with the Knicks. And Steve Clifford went on a tirade the other day and said, you know, the problem with these players today is, is they don't know, they don't understand that they have to play hard both ways. There are rules, and they want to blame everything. They want to blame the system. They want to blame the coach. And Frankly, to stand up for Hernan Gomez in this situation, everything Hernan Gomez has said is correct. And and he says, you know, I'm in a situation here where there are rules. It's a little less free-flowing than the New York Knicks, but I'd like paying for Coach Clifford because he's going to make me a better player. Well, here's my problem. is the, the Hornets this season took Dwayne Bacon and Malik Monk. They took Monk with the 10th with the, with the, uh, pick in the draft. Bacon and Monk aren't even playing at this point because Clifford says the same thing about these guys as he says about Hernan Gomez. Well, they don't, they're don't. they not playing defense. They're inconsistent. They've got a lot of learning to do. At some point, if everybody meet, you meet is a butthole, you're the butthole. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So at what point does the, the team, they've already replaced the general manager. What time do they – at what point do they look at Clifford and they're like, you know – you obviously are not able to articulate what you want to have done to the guys that we're putting in uniform for you. That's a great point. One thing about this generation, you know what you're dealing with. They feel like they're owed something, and that's where coaching comes in. So I I agree. I think part of this falls on Clifford where – He's got to be able to set his agenda, create his culture, and get these kids to buy in. If he can't, he can't do the job because you're not getting old school players anymore. All the kids think like that now. Uh, social media generation, the way they think, the way they're treated by their parents, etc. They all fall into one category. I'm owed something. Society owes me something. Society doesn't owe you a thing, and we don't owe you a thing either, apparently. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott.
was just a tiny baby. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. From the cheap seats, Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, Robert Bricky, talking college hoops. Uh, we <coughs> go ahead. Just one real quick thing. I want to jump in on the Hornets thing. Um, you're questioning Steve Clifford. Is he the problem? Kind of question, right? Is that accurate? Uh, yes, but let me qualify that. I'm not putting this all on Steve Clifford's shoulders. Okay. It starts at the top of Michael Jordan. There are problems throughout that organization, and kudos for Clifford. Because he has resurrected Dwight Howard's career. Absolutely. Now, they have a long history together, so he had a special relationship with Clifford. But basically what it has come down to now is Kimball Walker, who has one year left on a very good deal for the Hornets, and a bunch of garbage contracts. Well, here's the deal. Let me read you some names real quick. Sure. Frank Kaminsky, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, Cody Zeller, Malik Monk. That's basically your last five or six years of your number one draft picks right there. That's horrible. Like, I mean, it doesn't get much worse. And you can't say the, you know, the the players weren't available, you know, in these time periods because people have been raking. I mean, Jason Tatum's like a perfect example. Um, they wouldn't have it would Jason wouldn't have fell to the Hornets last year, but there's plenty of examples of players who would. So it's kind of hard to tell if Steve Clifford's the problem. I agree with you. Michael Jordan needs to hang it up. He's not a good owner. Be a silent owner. Be a hands-off owner. I mean, everything that he's touched in terms of ownership has been kind of crappy. And on top of that, you mentioned Kimba Walker, the one star that actually wants to be in Charlotte. You're shopping around the league, which is to me is ridiculous. Yeah, I hope that that doesn't come back and bite them. Because Kimball Walker has been supremely cool through this entire process, has said everything right, and I think he genuinely wants to be in Charlotte. And you talk all the time about how Charlotte is a tough attraction for big-time free agents to come to. I think there are some folks who, on the periphery, honestly believe that at some point they can get Steph Curry to come to Charlotte. No way. I, I doubt it, too. But there are people that believe that. We'll see how it shakes out. Actually, Steph Curry is involved in this in this uh, bid for the Panthers right now. So that's another layer of it. I think whether or not it ever happens is going to come down as much uh, to timing as it does to anything else. 
but who knows? But you can't structure a plan or try to get your fan base to hang on to something as abstract as that. They've got to put a winning product on the floor. And we've seen it here in North Carolina with the Carolina Hurricanes. When the Hurricanes are good, the fan base is rabid. When they're bad for an extended period, you've got opposing fans in there populating the seats. In Charlotte, you're going to see the same thing. And the Hornets have been too bad for too long. NBA players are a different breed. NHL players, they like to blend in. They don't like being up in Toronto or up north where everybody recognizes them. They, that's why they love the triangle here in Raleigh because they can have somewhat of a normal life. NBA players are not made cut from the same cloth. They well, like – go ahead, Robert. Well, the last time the Hornets were good, way back, they drafted Larry Johnson and uh, Alonzo uh, Mourning, mm-hmm. and they couldn't keep those guys here. And then we took a plunge. And we've really never recovered from that. We've had some decent years, but we have, haven't had long, a prolonged period of success because our draft picks stink, going back to your point. So, again, I, I still blame Clifford for some of it, but you, you can't turn – Can't make chicken, chicken salad, salad out of chicken out of poo. Other ingredients. Yes. All right, so is Clifford off the hook for now? I mean, For now. Because, frankly – Clifford would do better from an optics standpoint not to put his players out there on blast. I think Hernan Gomez and his effort on either side of the floor when he's your third big man is probably kind of pointless. If you've got something you want to direct at somebody, be a little bit more direct. But the fact that with Bacon in particular, who has the potential to be an NBA scorer, is doing nothing, Monk doing nothing, nobody out there, it's Kim, but like I said, and your front office – when the most recent big deal they shelled out was to Nicholas Batum. No offense. I love I love my man, but if Marcus Page is making your NBA squad, things aren't only Excellent up to point. Excellent point. All right, so I want to go back to the first and second rounds of the NCAs and see if you guys have any observations, anything that you want to hit on that we haven't covered up to this point because then I want to start looking forward as opposed to recapping what happened over the weekend. I've got something for you. All right. Hot off the press, I printed out Finley Golf Times, available next Saturday oh, snap. for any UNC player that will not be playing. <laughs> That's tight. Nice. Hey, show that up. Show that to the camera. That's nice. You need to give that its due right there. So. Well, You've got Finley, all you people out there that don't know what Finley is, it's a golf course in Chapel Hill, and the the punchline is that they got nothing else to do but play golf that's because t- they're out of the tournament. Times available, I printed them out. I like that. That was well played, and didn't I, know that was coming. I do have a valid point. Uh, guard play usually determines who wins in the NCAA tournament, as evidenced in all these upsets. There are three teams that have bigs that can impact the game, which will be interesting to see how they proceed from here. Purdue, Duke, and Texas A&M. They have bigs that can impact the style of play, and it would be interesting to see how they go from here because Buffalo dismantled Arizona based on their guard play. UMBC did the same thing. So guards have really dictated most of the wins here, but – those teams have bigs that can really change how you have to prepare. Well, and that's why I really should have gone a little bit more with my gut and picked Purdue. 
because not only do they have the bigs, but they got the star guard. Yep. Who also, they came back and beat a Butler team with him in foul trouble. trouble. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If you got a good mix, that's the only thing with Texas A&M, that's what I was saying earlier, is there's no weaknesses. They're all solid, but the guard play is not stellar. So um, I think that would be the only difference. Right. Duke, um, you know, I think that um, – what's the point guard's name over there, Robert? Come on, help me out, Chris. Yeah, where where are we talking? Duke. Duvall. Duvall. Yeah, Trevon Duvall. Duval. However he plays, that will show yeah, – exactly. that they, right. they will live and die by how he plays. Right. And he doesn't have to score. He's just got to get them in their offense. I'm going to talk about your favorite guy in the world, Brandon. I honestly think that the, the – pivot point for Duke right now is Grayson Allen. If Grayson Allen plays the way he's capable of, makes good decisions, he is the senior leader on that team. If he plays well, they're going to be a tough out for anybody. Um, But I'm looking, and the most compelling matchup in the Sweet 16 to me is probably Villanova-West Virginia. I'm so looking forward to Jalen Brunson versus Javon Carter because you said guard play is important. Jalen Brunson has been one of those guys who's kind of been the point guard on the best team. And you know how we love that as Americans because, you know, we, we have such a passing interest in all these squads and it's really easy to pluck the veteran point guard, whether it's Frank Mason last year, any number. You know, you go all the way back through basketball and these guys always get a little bit more run than they should because they're the guy that sticks in your head because they're the one that has the ball in their hands all the time. Jalen Brunson is a is as accomplished a point guard as you as you want to see at Villanova. Javon Carter is the best defensive point guard I've seen in a little while. That's going to be a matchup that I'm very excited to see. I hope West Virginia can get past them. I would love to see Bob Huggins get to a Final Four. I'd love to see Bob Huggins actually win a national championship because he's one of those coaches that's been doing it for so long and has been legitimately accomplished every step of the way. People forget how good those Cincinnati teams were that he had for 10 years. Well, doesn't he have over 500 wins? He's like got a sneaky total. Yeah, and Huggins has been doing it for a long time. He coaches teams to play hard. He's had the NBA guys come through. When he was at UC, he was a little too reliant on the JUCO transfers, and it was hard for him to sustain and get it going. But he had some teams that were as good as anybody. Now at West Virginia, he's established them as a really, really strong program. I'd like to see this be his year. But this Villanova game is going to be a great ball game. A great, great ball game. You're looking at, at two teams that play fundamentally as well as anybody out there. And West Virginia does have the benefit of having Javon Carter out there, who is 37 years old. He's a veteran and is not going to be rattled like your normal, you know, college senior. I think he works at Black and Decker on the weekends. Have you Javon Carter, I I had a friend of mine tell me, I think he played in the ABA. He did. He played at World Be Free. Now, speaking of that, have you guys seen the Powerade commercial? That is Is that hilarious. not the best? Have you seen it, Trent? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's called Angles. We will we will get that pulled up. It is kudos to Powerade because there are two commercials running during this uh, during this tournament that are absolutely classic. And the Powerade commercial, I have to play for you at some point. I'll get it pulled up. It's unbelievably funny. 
It's a great one. Good job, Powerade. Yeah, the other one is the Sling TV commercial. Have you seen that one? I haven't one? seen that one. I'll play that one for you. I don't know if that one will translate as well via radio. But, uh, yeah, Javon Carter and that West Virginia team is going to play sort of, you know, what, what um, Nolan Richardson used to play called 40, 40 minutes, minutes of hell. hell. We played them in the uh, Final Four in 1990. Okay, How'd that I- work out? We beat him. There you go. I owe Bob Huggins an apology. Yeah, a little bit. How many bit. wins? You're yeah. a little short. Like 800. Is he about 800? He's got over 800 wins. There you go. Uh, Boom. Yeah, sorry, Huggins, Huggins has been there and has not gotten that one seminal moment. We'll talk about it. If you're listening on WDCC, follow us over onto the internet. You can listen to the podcast from the cheap seats in the iTunes podcast app. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue and you can use like anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. If you'd recorded it, watched two hours, two weeks later, broke ankles. I love that commercial, man. That is classic. That is well done. That is nice. Brandon Atkins has left the building. My uh, name's Chris Lambert. Rocking the Ray-Bans. I like that. I like that. That's my my signature thing. I don't know how that happened. Hey, dear baby Jesus. In a year that we've already had Alabama not deserving of a Final Four spot, they win the championship, please, dear Lord, do not let Syracuse win the national championship in basketball. <laughs> Look, I, I'm you know begging what? you. We, we railed about how Syracuse did not belong in this tournament, and I really, 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 really hoped that they would get bounced in the play-in games. But once they got into the tournament – we knew what was going to happen. <laughs> we really did. I've got a question for you, Brick. You've coached college basketball. Why doesn't everybody play the zone the way Syracuse does? Syracuse used to have – we talked about length earlier off, off uh, the air. 
they used to have really long wing players, and so they could cover so much ground and contest so many shots that it was a legitimately hard defense to prepare for. Now, if you run some structured stuff, and which is I'm surprised, I don't see many teams running much structured offense against the zone, but they play it in a way that's I don't know why more people don't do it as well. Because they, they, they come up off the baseline a little bit. They extend it out. And now teams are trying to get the ball in the middle like Carolina used, does. But you're right. It's 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 a it's difficult to prepare for, especially if you don't have shooters. Well, and TCU came in in that opening round game, and it was, it was predictable. They went down as a six. Syracuse got the better of them. And as I looked at my bracket, I'm an Ohio State fan first as it applies to the Big Ten. Michigan State, even in the – well, normally. With all the stuff they've gone through with their doctor and the cover-up and the FBI investigation, I want to see Michigan State out of everything. I just transfer that over to basketball. But normally I look at it and I'm like, where's Michigan State at? I don't hate them. You know, it's amazing that their they're interstate rivals, the Wolverines, I, I don't like anything that has to do with the Blue Maze. But anything. Anyway, I looked at it and I was like, Michigan State, man. How did you have the bad luck to have this draw? Because in the second round, that is the team I least wanted to see them play. And sure enough, Syracuse beat them. And you said, that zone, if you've got shooters and you can shoot over the top of it, you're going to be in good shape most of the time. But if you've got to have any defense that you're going to run with a short period of time to prepare for, that defense will make you crazy. And that's why Syracuse, over the last – 10, 20 years, has gotten in as a lower seed and been able to make a Final Four run because teams have only got a day or two to prepare. And Michigan State coming in this with only one day to prepare for that, it was a recipe for disaster. And guess what? Michigan State gets bounced. Now, yeah. we can still complain about the fact that Michigan State was a three seed because I think they they drew the short end of the stick there. But Syracuse just got them. Well, Syracuse is playing with house money now, right? You know, so I mean, I even heard Bayham on the radio today. He's the happiest he's ever been. You know, he's having a great time because he didn't have to go to Greensboro. And and right, mission exactly. accomplished for the NCAA because the, honestly, the only reason that Syracuse got in, from my perspective, is because Bayham cries the loudest. Oh yeah, he's and they a didn't want to deal with it. He is an icon, whether we like it or not. And that was enough to get them the nod. That and a garbage victory against Clemson playing. With house money, they are right now. But the worst possible matchup they could have drawn in the Sweet 16 is Duke. Yeah, they get the script flipped on them because Duke Duke, has seen that. Duke recognizes it. Even even K goes on record to having implemented Bayheim strategy because they coached, I guess, U.S. men's basketball. And Bayheim just basically laid out the blueprint for his zone. And you look at it, how difficult can a zone be? It's hard, okay, or everybody would be running it. Um, and so Kay actually not only can you know flip the script and play zone, but he also understands his zone, right? Right. Um, but yeah, Duke's seen it. Yeah, I think they were. There's like any number of teams that Syracuse would rather see right now. Yeah, I think this is as far as matchups for Syracuse. As bad as this was for Michigan State, you can turn that right back around because Duke is the one team of all the teams left in the Sweet 16. If they had to choose, they would have been last on that list because Grayson Allen has played against this zone how many times? A dozen, 13, 14 teams at times. He's seen it. 
those kids, even the freshmen that have come in, have seen it a couple of times now. They're not going to be surprised by it. They know what's going to work. Coach K is a master tactician. I don't think Syracuse is even going to be a bump in the road for Duke. Of course, this is well, that time of year, and who knows? Duke can get jump shot happy, and that's what Syracuse depends on. Now, if you don't put the ball on the floor, well, when I played, Coach K used to call it gaps, which meant try to penetrate the gap, make the right decision. I mean, if you got your shot, take it. If not, kick it out. But teams pass the ball around the perimeter so much against Syracuse, and they settle for the jump shots. And that's where you lose, especially if you're not shooting well. Gotcha. Is is Kansas going to struggle with Clemson at all? I think so. Really? I, I have been surprised by Clemson. They have really good guard play, and they're not bad down low. I don't see where Kansas has much of an advantage. Interesting. Well, they beat Auburn by 30, so they're playing lights out. But we all knew that the deal on SEC. Did we not say last week – you got Tennessee. Yeah, the, the, the fact that the SEC the put eight teams into this tournament, the Big Ten got four, I'll, I'll, that will be one of my takeaways from this tournament. And Penn State should have been in the tournament. Um, and 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 as just as a quick aside, we talked a lot about Bonzi Colson and the fact that we thought he should have been into the tournament. It would have been a, a sort of a tour de force for him and, and a reward for four years at Notre Dame where he's one of the best players in the country. And sadly – in the opening round of the NIT, aggravated that foot injury. And with that, Notre Dame's hopes vanished. Penn State got past him, and I don't know what else has happened to the NIT. We'll have to get caught up on that. But that's just one more argument in favor of these kids not sticking around if they have the opportunity to go to the NBA. You just cannot predict what's going to happen injury-wise. And, yes, there is value in the education, so you have to make the right decision, you know, degree versus going out there. But when you're talking about six figures – at 20 or 21 years old, what degree are you going to obtain that's going to empower you to make that kind of money that early on? And if you're smart with it, you can parlay it into whatever you want down the road. So the Bonzi Colson situation, Bonzi's not the greatest example because he's, his game doesn't necessarily translate directly to the NBA. But if you're a, a Marvin Bagley or somebody like that, you got to be looking. And, and we talked about Grayson Allen. Had Allen come out after his freshman year or sophomore year in particular – Sophomore year, he's a lottery pick, lock. Right. At this point, who knows where he goes, and he's cost himself a lot of money. Of course, that degree from Duke and the notoriety he's gained with all the Duke alums across the world, I think Grayson Allen's going to be if fine one way or the other. He can figure out how to parlay tripping and monetize it. He's on to something. He can do <laughs> clinics. I, I like would, you know, if I had it, if I had a, a a kid that was coming through the ranks playing basketball, I'd drop a couple hundred bucks to go to the uh, the Grayson Allen trip flop <laughs> camp. I'm just going to no point problem. out. I'm just going to point out that that's the second piece of financial advice uh, Robert Bricky has given out on the show today. We're going to we're gonna have to have them start – the old Fayetteville's going to have to start writing checks up in this joint. I need to start bringing my pen and writing some of this stuff down. Where, where Kansas is weak is their depth. Like, if you look, starting for with Devontae Graham, he scores over 17 points per game. And then it goes 15 next player, 13, 13, 12 are their averages – after the, the fifth player on the team, it's four points and not much else. Um, so, I mean, if they get in any kind of foul trouble, which I think Clemson can get you in. I mean, right. Clemson's a good team. Their guards are better than I thought. Well, and, and I'll tell you this, just to, to keep it all things equal, I think Kansas' bigs are better than people realize. 
But this game, to me, for Kansas, comes down to Devontae Graham. And I do want to just reiterate our point. We talked about Trey Young, Trey Young, Trey Young. Devontae Graham, Big 12 Player of the Year at the point guard position. Hmm. And a North Carolina native. Yeah, imagine that. But Devontae Graham is the least respected of the best players in the country, I think. And he was there last year when Josh Jackson got all the hoopla, and, and rightfully so. But Devontae Graham is the glue that's kept that team together. He's an athletic kid, plays, you know, he's a legit two way player. If Clemson can neutralize him, they're going to have a shot. But Kansas is fun to watch. They're wide open. This should be a, this should be a track meet. I'm excited about this game. Kansas has got to be licking their chops. Because this is not your traditional Kansas powerhouse team that's coming in here and has high expectations. They came in as a one seed, but you're looking at them and like, eh, okay. But now with some of the blue bloods and some of those higher seeds that have taken a fall, Kansas has got to be looking at this bracket saying, man, we're in good shape at this point as long as we can pass Duke. Oh, just that. Just just that, Robert. You see how he threw that in there? Well, yeah, I know, but – Kansas can't be. I think the the one team that's got to be crying out of joy right now is Wildcats. Johnny Wildcats. Johnny Chucky. Calamari over there, <laughs> Coach Calamari. <laughs> He's got to be like John Calamari. Oh. I um, mean, look at Gonzaga and Kentucky this, have got to be like, shoot. And and I don't know how closely at this point people with busted brackets are playing are paying attention. But if you told Coach Calamari, <laughs> that his road to the Final Four at this point would be to beat Kansas State and then either Loyola of Chicago or Nevada. Come on, man! So you that's beat like Kansas the, that's State like the lineup a at a scrimmage. That's like the lineup <laughs> at the Maui Classic. Those are opening round games, and and that's what stands between the Kentucky Wildcats. And a Final Four berth. Mm. That's unbelievable. Now, Brandon, you think that might be a double-edged sword. Well, you know, Mr. Bricky over here a couple of weeks ago said, how much longer does Calipari, Calamari? You know, you got that in my head now. <laughs> Johnny so, Calamari. So um, how much longer does he have with the Kentucky fan, fan base being okay with him not winning the big one? So what if with this lineup, essentially cupcakes all the way to the Final Four, what if he doesn't get it done this year? What kind of noise do you think you'll be hearing? Or, I, I already think he's on the hot seat. I, I think he's done little with the amount of talent he's had. Of course, he has great regular season records, and he's done okay in the tournament. But in Kentucky, it does not count unless you bring the banner home. How many times can you get the number one, number two, number three recruiting class year in, year out, and not and not win it? Win the big one. As long as those guys keep going on being lottery picks and, you know, well, that's doing nothing being all-stars in the NBA. I, in I, I, Lexington, also, I you know how it is in Lexington. I, I, I do. I lived in Lexington, and it's unlike anything. And, and no disrespect to Chapel Hill or Durham, Lexington is next level. I don't know if you've ever been there during basketball season. But it's is unbelievable. You cannot go – 30 seconds out in public without hearing somebody talking about Kentucky basketball. And that's everything from six-year-old kids through to 80-year-old grandmas. It's unbelievable. But here's here's the context that you need. If Kentucky, if Loyola of Chicago gets past Nevada, if that happens and Kentucky gets to the Final Four, they will have beaten in their bracket 
the 12, the 13, the 9, and the 11 and delivered a Final Four. Even if Loyola doesn't win and Nevada gets passed, they will have beaten the 12, the 13, the 9, and the 7. And if, that is that is as cakewalk a bracket as there's ever been. And we'll talk more about it on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio or email us at CheapSeatRadio at gmail.com. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats. I'm Chris Delamer. The rest of the crew, we're talking NCAA hoops, and I do hey, have to hey, say, hey, Chris, that. hold on. Yes, I got a text from Tim. Oh, what's so going on? So I guess next week, if Kentucky loses this weekend, Tim's got to drive to uh, to Kentucky to put a for sale sign in Calabari, <laughs> Calamari's house. So we may not have a producer next week. There's a couple nice. of rutted jokes there. DJ Schlepprock. We don't talk about him enough. Tim is the the fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth wheel on this on this car that we drive every week, but it, it, half the time he comes in, gets us set up, and has to bounce because it, it, the story is always: this, I got to go put up signs. I got to go put up signs. And for those of you who don't know, and we know what you're doing, you're picking up crystals cleaning. Yeah, Remax we know exactly Real Estate what Services, doing. who's a great friend of the show, is owned by his wife Crystal, and Tim is her her. At Mr. Everything is that a nice way of putting yeah. it? So he's out running around putting signs. But I think I think Calamari the house they need to get in touch with Remax. Well, yeah. be you, ready. You mentioned bra- uh, busted brackets. Be Let ready. me hit you with a public service announcement. All right, for all you losers out there that you, with your busted brackets that go back and try to pick the final sixteen and enter these contests, dude, that's like. That's the difference between betting on horses and betting on dog races. You got a problem, you need to go get help immediately. Just absorb your sucky bracket and stop being a little baby and try to act like a winner, like third place medal for kids' soccer. Get out of here with this. <laughs> what are you Participation. talking about? Is it Stephen A. Smith now? Dude, yeah, what happened? Smoking the weed. Well, Greta said, you win the arguments, the louder you get. Oh, yeah. So that's what I'm working on right now. Speaking of coming back behind, Lane Kiffin has gotten gotten a lot of run on Twitter. I don't know if you guys saw this, but he published a picture of his bracket, handwritten, that showed that he had UMBC going all the way to the Sweet 16. And it got a lot of love from the UMBC folks, but then other people started looking at it and like, wait a minute. How come part of that bracket's typed and part of it's handwritten? <laughs> mm. And the other part of that thing is that what's shown in the snapshot that he put up online is that he chose Lipscomb over UNC. 
So it looks like he just took all the dogs and you know decided he was going to get some love out there Let on me Twitter. Ask you this. Yeah. Would you trust Lane Kiffin? <laughs> I would trust <laughs> Lane anything. Kiffin. I would trust Lane Kiffin. We had a saying in the army, and I apply it in life all of the time. And I think you'll be able to appreciate this. You come from a military family, yep. so I'm sure that your your dad had plenty of of little sayings that he's little nuggets of wisdom. I want people to think about this when I say it. Lane Kiffin, I would trust with my life but never my money or my wife. <laughs> Listen, that dude, <laughs> obviously he's a pretty good coach. But other than that, I wouldn't trust him with anything. I, 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 don't, I don't even have a term to describe how much I do not trust okay, him. Okay, Sophie's Choice. We've yeah. done this once today. Sophie's Choice, if you've got to choose – the next coach, the successor at Duke, in either football or basketball, the next coach, and even better yet, the next athletic director at Duke, and the final two candidates, it comes down to Lane Kiffin or Bruce Pearl. Which one are you taking? We uh, dismantled the program. (laughs) We became a strictly academic institution. (laughs) So the one good thing that happened this weekend – is that Arizona went out. I don't even know how we've made it an hour into the show. We haven't talked about Arizona getting beat in the first round. No, no, no. And getting not the, beat. Go ahead. Completely dismantled. Yes. It, they look like they played the JV squad. Arizona's I was, team. I didn't watch that game. It, I, was, I, I, was in, I was amazed. And I'm going to tell you what. The, the guards at Buffalo are incredible. They had their three-guard offense. All three of their guards scored 20 points in that game, if I'm not mistaken. That was impressive. But for them to take Aiton out of the game completely, completely, I didn't think was possible. You're talking about a guy that's a second or third pick in the draft overall. Some people even saying maybe the number one overall. And for him to not even be a part of that ball game, kudos <laughs> to Buffalo. They uh, they played a great ball game. Yeah, They played a great ball game. And I didn't shed a single tear for Arizona. Not for Sean Miller, not for the fan base, and not for DeAndre Ayton. Says he's already got that money in the bank. And they played like it, and frankly. They're, they're going to the NBA. They don't care. And so they didn't they, seem to care. They, when that game, when the going got tough against Buffalo, they folded shop. And were like, yeah, this isn't even any fun anymore. This, and they were if, gone. If they know Miller. in – four years that that national title is going to get stripped from them anyway so why would they care that's what i was going to say like when they get when the it hits the fan yeah. are they going to vacate this loss to buffalo <laughs> <laughs> are they going to be able to hold on to it so i don't think that is point. the silver lining you're welcome arizona fans you did yeah, they get to vacate this loss it never happened i love it never i love it's it right buffalo books Buffalo will have to have an asterisk there and be like, yeah, we, yeah, we won, but they, they took that away from us. That's classic. The player, that was, that's the funniest thing you've said lately. Good job. Wow. You know, wow. Man, I, must I, have... I guess I was disappointed that this coach Sean Miller didn't talk to those guys about what to say after the game. It's never the time to talk about going to the NBA. You just say, hey, right now I'm with my teammates, even if you, it's not sincere. You know, that's a decision we'll make once we have a chance to evaluate with the coach. Whatever. But not, I'm out of here. I'm gone. You know, Aiden's like, you know, I really just don't make enough here. <laughs> I need to move. I, I need to go. 
Look, Ryan Odom, he's, he's going to go ahead and sign that, that big contract. They might stocks to the size. I'm out. I, they did need to talk to him. And, and I just do want to say real quickly before we – I know we're going back and forth in, in history and, and future, but kudos to Tony Bennett, man. Mm-hmm. Tony Bennett, in the aftermath of that loss, there were a lot of ways that could have gone. And, and for him to be the stand-up guy and come take all the questions and deal with it as classily as he did, good for him. Um, but still, you're going to be the answer to a trivia question forever. So Kentucky, we talked about Kentucky's got this ride. They're looking. I'm with you, Brandon. I think there's a lot of pressure on Cal at this point because if they went out to a solid ball club into a team where you're like, oh, that's a tough matchup, Maybe, you know, he gets a little bit of love. Well, if they come up short of the Final Four right now, that temperature is going to turn he way up. He may not up. be able to go back to Lexington. Well, Just that's the like uh, who they fire on the airplane. They met him at the airport. Kiffin. Was it Kiffin? Yeah, they, they yeah, wouldn't they even let him Kiffin. on the airplane. They fired him on the airplane on the way home. They met him at the airport. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. He had to take so, a different bus <laughs> than the team. <laughs> fired coach in coach. Um, so, yeah, everything being everything up until this point is in the past. You think Kentucky fans patting him on the back for where he's done so far oh, in this no. tournament? So now you got to look in the, and if he does not make the Final Four, you will hear some grumbling about Calamari. No amount of marinara sauce is going to be able to save his job after a while. What's there are up, people at home that are like, did they not know his name? So, but think about this. Okay, let's say Kentucky's in the Final Four. All right. In the South, let's say Texas A&M gets to the Final Four. Right. Now, what a matchup. Texas A&M, Kentucky beat them by one point on January 9th, and then they lost to Texas A&M. By 11. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. I saw Texas A&M a whole lot more early than I did late. Hog was trash the beginning of the season. Yeah, he's got a lot better. And is playing in that offense and and brings another 6'9 presence there. And I think that's a big part of what Texas A&M's got going. I'd love to see A&M and Kentucky – in a Final Four matchup, but here's the the thing, and this is the team that everybody's sleeping on and has slept on because they play out there in the middle of nowhere and you never get to see them on TV because they play at 2 o'clock in the morning. But Gonzaga, quietly, the only thing standing in their way is really Texas A&M. Well, they have to beat Florida State. they got to beat Florida State, and you've got to think that they're a a heavy favorite to do that. Mm Mm-hmm. And then you've got Texas A&M. So if you can pick your matchups. Or Michigan. Yeah, or Michigan. But either way, I think Gonzaga, those are two winnable ball games. Mm-hmm. And I'm not predicting that they're going to go. But up to this point, was Gonzaga even a team that was on the tip of anybody's tongue as a potential yes. Final Four candidate? Oh, yeah. Brandon Atkins got him in the Final Four in his was bracket. It, in the Final. Karnak that Johnny Carson did. When he did Put his, the envelope up against yeah. his head. Yeah. Karnak, Car- yeah, Karnak. Yeah. You need to have a, session, a segment on the show. Well, you just do uh, celebrity or may, well, if may your I, Duke gear and hat that you have on right now burn in flames in the dumpster outside. <laughs> that's Karnak. That maybe, that, maybe that's a bad a idea. <laughs> I think yeah, yeah. Let's put that one in the bad idea file. Well, I mean, look, and you know, you're gonna have these games, but you know, Kentucky only beat Davidson by five points. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I mean they handle Buffalo, but. 
as with a lot of these teams that bumped off, like one these Cinderella story yeah. kind of games. There's always a deflation afterwards. Rarely can they pick up where they left off. You but know? The, the good thing, though, for these teams at this point, and Robert, correct me if you if you think I'm wrong here, is that after the first weekend is over, the dust is kind of settled, and you get to get back into a more reasonable rhythm. And it's not all the hectic. You talked about the travel. You've got to get these kids ranged, settled in. You don't have a whole lot of practice time. So that first, even the opening round games are tough. But then that second round of games – you know, sleep schedules are messed up. You're not into routine. That second week, things usually level out, and normally, what you see is the teams that are supposed to win win those ball games. Is yep. that fair? Yep. Part of that is this week that you know who you're playing on Thursday or Friday. You already have a scouting report for who you're playing on Saturday, or Sunday. So your week is a little more normal than the previous week because you didn't know who you were going to play on for Saturday or Sunday. Well, yeah, so, let, let me give you a prime, time. Let me give you a prime example. Michigan State. They had one day Exactly. to prepare for that zone. Right. And that's why when I looked at it I was like, "Oh god. Yeah. This is rough." Now, I also want to say and this is for our North Carolina people. <clears throat> Kentucky only beat Davidson by 5 and it was a close game down the stretch and they did it with the best player at Davidson since Steph Curry having as bad a game as he possibly could have had. Kellen Grady, who's the most ballyhooed recruit to come through since Steph Curry, and even bigger a deal in high school, was not a factor. We'll finish this up. Thanks for hanging out with us from the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to the last half hour from the Cheap Seats. We appreciate you making it this far. I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and Robert Brickey. We have been talking NCAA basketball, and uh, I think we've about exhausted any insight that we have. <laughs> Is there uh is there anything that we've missed, gentlemen? Um I'll just touch on it real quick. I know you're not going to let me talk to uh, talk to this a lot, but uh, the official uh, the officiating in the tournament 
sucks because they change how they officiate games. Like if they're doing it in the regular season, they change it to on purpose to try to keep these games entertaining when they should just let them play ball. Two examples of this. The Michigan game. Houston got absolutely jobbed. And no, I know the kid missed the free throws, but it's one of the only five-point plays that I've seen in my lifetime. They shoot a three, hit a three. There's an off-the-ball foul, five-point lead. All of a sudden, it's tied. And and to be fair, just so that it doesn't appear that you're pulling a Lane Kiffin, you called that with regard to the officiating in the Michigan game very early on that it was very one-sided and that Houston was getting jobbed. And then down the stretch, that was how it played out. And I do think that we see during the run of play, and if you look at the total foul counts and how quickly teams are into the bonus and how many games we have, I'd really like, you know, Google's running those those ads right now saying, are you know, do kids from the city, are they impacted by crowd noise? We're asking those questions on the cloud. Well, the question you might want to ask on the cloud is how many players foul out in tournament games versus the regular season? Because it does appear that there's a lot of ticky-tack stuff that's called in the first 35 minutes of those games. And then it's the WWE down the stretch in a lot of them. And you look at the NC State game. NC State went out in the first round, and it was a tough ball game that they played. But when you look at NC State, when you're arguably your best player, Yurtsevin goes out with five fouls after 14 minutes in the game. Come on, man. You're probably playing a little bit too tight. Robert, could you foul out in four time, uh, 14 minutes? I could not. Did uh, Yerk Seven, what's his name, whatever his name is, did he <laughs> declare for the draft right after the game? Not too? yet. But not yeah. yet. But Yerk Seven, I think all NC State fans that follow the program closely assumed last year that he was going to declare and go. He did declare and then decided to retract that and come back to school, and he did himself a favor. Because now uh, he's a guy that before he got to the program, he was coming in with Dennis Smith, and there was a lot of talk, well, Yurtsevin's going to be a lottery pick, and he's going to come out that first year, and he was garbage. But good for Coach Keats and good for Yurtsevin that they, over the course of a year, transformed him because he went to being garbage to really being a transformational player. Right. Um, and he is a guy that probably at this point you're looking at he's got enough potential, enough size, a well-rounded enough game. It probably makes sense for him to go to the NBA. Um, I don't think he's irreplaceable at NC State, but I'm very, very, very interested to see what Coach Keats does at NC State now that it's his program to see how this can, thing continues to trend because he's got a nice ball club. And we talk all the time about how the fact that NC State has all those resources available to him, they're a sleeping giant. And if he has that cult of personality where he can build his program with his guys – I'm excited to see what they can do. So, NC State fans, I feel your pain with the Wolfpack going out in the first round, but uh, the cupboard is not bare. You've got a great young coach who seems to to, to have all the answers. Uh, the future's bright there with NC State. I'm and going they, on the record right now. They will make the Final Four next year. Ooh. Write it down. You said the NC State Wolfpack will make the Final Four next year. Yes. All right. He's well. trying to pull a me. He is. Isn't that cute? Karnak, too. He's trying to be a Karnak like Just me. Watch. Oh, by the way, NC State, I know you're a bunch of conspiracy theorists. You actually did get cheated this time. So we saw that against Seton Hall. 
Why are you looking at me like that? I, that's just that's strong words. I can't believe you come out that strongly uh, in a positive manner for NC State. So good for you for. I don't know. I mean, I don't have them. I don't have them in the, the final state. four. In breaking year. news, Tyron Lou is uh, stepping away from coaching the Cavs for a while. He's apparently he's been pondering this for a few weeks, but now he is leaving. Does anybody believe that it went down that way? Nope. <laughs> and is there any truth to the rumor that LeBron's just going to coach the team? Well, it's the assistant coach that's taking over right now. Who but, has even less juice than Tyron Lue had since he was picked by LeBron James to coach that team. Yes. Um, it has been disappointing, and we were on the bandwagon, and I still believe that, Ken, that Kentucky, God, my words, that the Cavaliers are better poised to make a run in the postseason now than they were before they shed all those old bad contracts. It's not manifesting itself right now, though, but we've got a few weeks, and it's crazy to think – it seems like just yesterday that we were talking about the opening of the NBA season, and now we're we're almost to the end. And you see a couple of teams in full-blown panic mode, New Orleans being one of those and Charlotte being another, two teams that were looked at as fringe playoff teams that are on the outside looking in as the nine seeds, and they're in panic mode trying to figure out how to get to the dance. But in the end, the NBA is constructed right now of a group of three or four teams and everybody else. And Durant's out for a while. So Golden State's got their injury problems. Boston's got their injury problems. Everybody Wait, that wanted Durant's to anoint the Warriors. Yep. Yeah. Everybody that wanted to anoint the Warriors forgets two weeks. that injuries in the NBA happen it's on a regular good. basis. It's not like the NBA where you're either healthy or you're out for this, or the NFL where you're either healthy or out for the season. You get nicked up in the NBA, and these are big, gigantic athletes. Durant is out. Klay Thompson has missed significant time. Curry hadn't been healthy all year. And you're looking at, a, at at the West, there's a couple teams out there that can get past them. If they're not operating at 100% in terms of personnel, Houston can beat them, mm-hmm. period. Anybody else that you want to go ahead and say can get past these guys? Anybody want to throw another one of these, these teams from the West in that? No? The closest Bueller? one I would think would be uh... – OKC, but if you're keeping some of those guys out, if well, you're I missing- would love nothing more in life than to see Russell Westbrook win a title without Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. What about uh, what about Portland? Are they peaking too early? You, you know, got- Portland Portland is one of those teams, man, and and I wonder if right now Damian Lillard isn't on sort of a tear like Trey Young was at the beginning of the season. Lillard, it's funny because it doesn't seem from his contemporaries like he gets a lot of love. We'll like see, he's in the club. Here's a good example. Houston Rockets win 13 in a what row. Oh, my God. 13 in a row. Well, guess how many Portland's won? In 17. Row? 13. 13. I think it's 13 now? Yep. I haven't heard a word about it. at 13. The, yeah, problem, the problem that, that <laughs> Portland throws at people is they are probably the only team in the NBA – that is running with two small guards at the front of that offense. You can get you can attack Lillard, but McCollum will will eat you up as well. And that quickness and that size and that ability to create and to to knock down the open shot, Portland's tough. I don't know if I buy Portland into the playoffs making a serious run because they just don't seem to have a whole lot in addition to that. So it's a it's a matter of you know how how much these two guys can put the, put the team on their backs, 
And Lillard is the undisputed leader of that team. But C.J. McCollum is the 1A to Damian Lillard's 1. And in this day and age when you're, make, when you're playing teams that have you know three or four primary pieces that are at star caliber, I don't know if I buy. I don't know if I'm buying on Portland or not. OKC, they just don't have quite enough. <sighs> it's almost the same thing as the Trailblazers. Like they don't have that one other piece. Maybe, maybe not. the The question is how much value you put in Carmelo and Stephen Adams, because Paul George, when he's hot, can can light it up, and he he can attract enough defensive attention to to open up spacing for Westbrook to do his thing. Here's what I'm going to say, and some people aren't going to like it. Russell Westbrook's the best player in basketball. I honestly believe that at the bottom of my soul. In terms of two-way players, I'd take Russell Westbrook over anyone. Robert, you're you know basketball. You're staring at me like you just dropped me down a peg or two. Talk to me. He can't talk. I'm He's trying, in shock because yeah. of all the stupidity that just came out of your mouth. <laughs> I, no, I'm taking ahead, Westbrook. Robert. If I'm building a team today, I'm taking Westbrook. Two-way player. In terms of two-way players. And you're you're not just talking about a guy that's supremely talented. You're talking about a guy that gives you 40, 42 minutes a night of maximum effort on both ends of the floor. I take Westbrook over anybody. And it's not by a wide margin, but I'm taking into account his age. What do you got? I see your logic. And I'd like to disagree, but I can't find what? anybody. Dis- well, you said two-way player. That limited my options. So I can't disagree. Well, let's go around the table. And, let, Brandon, who would – if you were putting a team together today, and I know you're going to say, well, LeBron is the best in the business. LeBron's shelf life is much shorter than, than Russell Westbrook's. I mean, that's, you, when you that's subtract a totally injuries. different question but, than what but, you're ta- okay. talking about right now. So I'm saying that if, if you're putting a team together – Is it putting a team together from scratch to move forward, or is it right here, right now, if you need to win one game? Both. No. Right here, right now, I, I, I probably want LeBron. Durant – you can make a good argument for Durant, but I'm, if you're building a team, if if we get an expansion team in Raleigh and you're brought in to be the GM <laughs> and you're not allowed to put any UNC players on, I'm just playing, who's the one player that you would pluck off somebody's roster to build a team around? Even though I'd, I'm not a big fan, it to move forward, yeah. like I'm talking about overtime, it'd have to be Kevin Durant. Oh, fair enough. Stole mine. Oh, you got Durant as well. Yeah. And Durant, you could certainly make an argument for it. And I do want to give Durant credit that Durant has been defensively should get serious consideration for Defensive Player of the Year, which is an amazing thought at this point in his career that he would turn up the defensive intensity. The reason I don't get Durant into that conversation with Westbrook is durability. Well, can you come back to me real quick on this one? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but Westbrook, part of his big part of his game, Robert, would you agree, is his explosiveness exactly. to get to the rim? That can't go on forever. Mm-hmm. Kevin Fair Durant enough. could develop a turnaround jump shot and stay play at a really high level into his age, kind of like what MJ did mm-hmm. when he went to that you know turnaround jumper. So I would definitely pick Durant. Based and on and that. you make a, an awesome point. The only reason I would give Westbrook at this point in his career the nod over Durant is Durant has had these little dings and these little nicks. Westbrook seems to be out there available 82 nights a year. And 
he's one of those guys that you know waves the coach off, you know, and and kind of makes eye contact. And, and Billy Donovan's like, mm, no. is Billy Donovan still the coach out in OKC? Yes. yes. Okay, yep. I just wanted to make sure I didn't create commit a faux pas. But <laughs> but I would love nothing more than to see OKC go on a run and Westbrook put this team on his back and win a championship. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I think I very I think it's next to impossible, but I would love to see that more than anything, given the teams that are out there and how they're constituted. My question for you, Bricky, is Toronto. Toronto's running away and hiding with the one seed out in the East. Is this team a legit contender to win the East? This year, I think so. Okay. I think Boston's loss early Man. is going to kill them in the playoffs. The, the injuries in Boston are starting to get out yeah. of here. Yeah. I don't think Cleveland's got the firepower and Washington is going to implode because John Wall. But <laughs> Casey, in my opinion, is the best coach in the league. He gets what? no credit. Wow. There's high praise. We got one more segment to do. Thanks for hanging out. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Kiramutu todos. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I got to say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, so as we were going through that break, I was thinking about the fact that, one, we, we teased the category. Um, I've got some other ideas for some categories down the road, and one just popped into my head, and I'm going to have to get you guys' feedback on it. So, so remind me about that. Because at some point, I want to do a category. And this is not a tease for this coming week because this is going to take some work. I'm going to have to really think about this. But I want to do one on sandwich ingredients. You know, you can ask about the you know the origin of, of salami and what goes into man. I don't know. And anyway, hold on. Let me open the envelope. And the random thought award goes to I, I know, right? Chris DeLambert. But as I said earlier, we will be doing greatest upsets of all time as a category this Wednesday. Come on out. Hang out with us. We'll be at Libations in downtown Sanford. Come out. Have a beer. You can bring food in. You can order out. Um, we've got some announcements relative to that coming. But for now, that's how things go. The answer is pastrami. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. And of course, don't forget, April 28th, we will be having, we'll be hosting the Brick City Dodgeball Classic at the Bobby Hale Center in Sanford, North Carolina. If you can get down here for it, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a great time. Open to folks from 6 to 70, I think. Um, There'll be people of all ages and skill levels playing. Robert Bricky will be coaching a team, apparently. Um, we're going to see if we can if we can peer pressure him into playing at some point. Now, if you're over seventy, yes, can you play? Sure. Oh, you said to seventy. Yeah, I just I yeah, I'm just playing. Age yeah, discrimination. Uh, we, no, no, no. We are not ageist. We are not okay. sexist. Right. No, 
we are not tribalists. I don't know. I, I don't even know how From you From one to 102. Yes. Isn't that how that goes? Yeah, I read yes. somewhere that the first person that's going to be that's going to turn 120 years old has already been born. I'm wondering if it's one of us. No. I'm not thinking me. not. I eat red meat. I smoke. I, I don't think it's going to be me. But Well, let me speak to you from a professional standpoint once right. again. Oh. I'm also a life insurance <laughs> agent. Here, oh. Now I know. We got... Uh, we're going to have to have a conversation with old Fayetteville. Robert so, is a professional. Go ahead, life insurance guy. And my one of my partners always says it does not pay to live too long because at some point the value of your life insurance policy is not worth the money you put into it. And or at some point you age out of insurance. So if you, you Most companies won't sell life insurance past age of 70 or 75 Pacific Life does up to 90, which is rare. I can't even imagine what the premiums are on a life insurance policy that you start at 90. But statistically, in in all these actuaries and insurance companies, people a lot smarter than us figure out, you probably need to die in your 70s. That's the most depressing thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm, I'm depressed as hell right now. No, don't, don't be. Oh, and, okay, so think about quality of life. How long do you want to live? Do Bro, I'm going to be I'm kicking it all the way through my 80s, son. I don't know who you're talking yes. about. No. Like, I mean. I want to be 75 and out. 73, oh. I always so I got about 25 good years. 73, are you guys kidding me? Nope. I'm going to live I've forever. I'm like the Highlander. Okay, and your friends <laughs> die, and you run out of purpose. Yeah, I see it all the time. Ridiculous! Wow, no way. So what? You have nothing to live for, huh? And Coach K won't be coaching there anymore, and Duke will suck. <laughs> but Coach K might be the first guy to live to 120. And he might coach to 118. I mean, he's already a cyborg. Half of his body's like you know been replaced yeah. with metal like and plastic components. He is like the Terminator, isn't he? <laughs> all right, so we're gonna go through this real quickly. And Trent, I need you to commit this to uh, to paper. Given what's left, we're going to pick a new Final Four. Mm. So what we've got left up in the South, you've got Kansas versus Kentucky and Loyola versus Nevada. I'm going to kick this off. I'm going with Kentucky, the obvious one. Brandon, got to do this quick. The next game? I'm sorry, what was the question? The I South was region. Oh Who's your Final Four in the South? Is he still got some? Kentucky. Um, I like, I'll stick with Gonzaga. Whoa, whoa, no, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're just doing the South region. Whoa, whoa. So the South region, you're choosing from Kentucky, Kansas State, Loyola of Chicago, or Nevada? Kentucky. All right, Kentucky. Brick, you got Kentucky? Kentucky. All right, so we're unanimous that Kentucky's coming out of the no, South. No, I'm taking K-State. What? Upset special. You're not going to get to do a Big Daddy Kane speech because that's, that's right. not going to happen. K-State okay. is not going to get past Kentucky. Okay, we'll see. All right. You know, I think when you're wrong in your prognostications, you should have to bring us wings. No, I agree with that. We, You know what we need to come up with this is a challenge where if you're wrong, you have to do something on air. The, the, great idea. Of course, Trent, well, someday, back, back to your life insurance thing, we'd be eating so many fried chicken wings that our life expectancy would come way down. Yeah, That's how policy's paid up. Well, okay. someday maybe I maybe somebody else will do some restaurant food, and I don't have to be the one to. That's a it strong possibility. We'll we'll keep track of that story. Yeah. All right, second second, we're going to go down to the west. You've got Florida State Gonzaga and Michigan A and M. I'm taking the Aggies, 
And that pains me a little bit because you say I've been born 18 different places. One of the places <laughs> I was born was Austin, Texas. So I'm a UT fan somewhere deep in my soul. It hurts me to take the Aggies, but that those bigs, that's something that's going to be tough for anybody to match up were with. You and also, I think they get just enough guard play. So who do you have? Were you also born in Gonzaga? No. Because I got Gonzaga. You got the Zags. Trent. Gonzo. All right. Initial bracket, Gonzaga. But I'm I'm, t- I'm sorry, Gonzaga. Yep. Oh, you, you're staying. You're gonna ride I, I with was, Gonzaga. I was thinking of the other game. All I'm right, staying with Gonzaga. All right, and we're going up to the East. You've got West Virginia, Villanova, and Texas Tech, Purdue. Now, I took Purdue to win the whole thing. <coughs> the injury to Haas, I think, is a crusher for them. I'm gonna go with my heart, and I'm gonna take West Virginia at this point. And it'll destroy my bracket completely, although it's already been ripped up and eaten and spit out and eaten again by somebody's dog. I'm gonna take But I'm gonna take West Virginia. I'm gonna take the Boilermakers. They're saying Haas, there's a chance he might play by the time the finals. I do want to qualify it. If Haas comes back, I'm going with my initial bracket and I'm gonna take Purdue. <laughs> I know that's cheating, but give me give me a you know what? I'm uh, Haas is bionic. I'm going with Purdue too. What you got? I got Nova, baby. Nova. All right, Nova. Going with the one seed. Going in Final Four, I've got Purdue. That's what I had on my original bracket. All right, so we got three for Purdue. Trent, once again, is the lone wolf. Ow! Um, the hell was that? I know, right? Midwest, Kansas-Clemson, Duke-Syracuse. This is going to work out well. I'm going to take Duke. I got Duke. I was really hoping you wouldn't. I Trent, got Duke. who do you have? Duke. Oh, wow. And Bricky obviously has consensus. consensus. I got Duke, but I'm going to backtrack. All right. Actually, I'm going back. I'm taking A&M over Gonzaga in the West. Welcome to the bandwagon. I love that. I like the Aggies. And, and as I mentioned earlier about the bigs that can impact games, I think their size is just going to be too much. For, it's a lot. Yeah. So – Purdue, Duke, and A&M are the teams with bigs. I Very interesting. In the Final Four. And I'll tell you what, that Duke-Kentucky matchup is nice, but can you imagine Duke and A&M in the finals? Ooh. I'm going to say this. Brandon made, a, Brandon made a, a prediction that this would be the year that a, a one would get beat by a 16. This isn't nearly as impressive because they're ones that have already gone out, but I think this is the year there's no one that gets into the Final Four. And I'm going to, as I sit here today, the most, the two most impressive teams that I saw over the weekend were Kentucky and Texas A&M. I think they're on a collision course to the finals. Um, it's hard for me to see Kentucky not getting past them. Brandon. Yeah, they'll meet in the Final Four. Who's your national champion at this point? I've got Kentucky. I am going to take – geez, man, it's going to be really hard not to choose Duke. I mean, it's – I mean, they just – if they can, if Duval plays or Duval, whatever he's his name key. is, he's the key. If he plays well, they're going to win another national t- I title. I thought which during is crazy. the stretch when they put Grayson Allen at the point, he played a little better, but I don't think the team was better. I think they're better when Duval plays at the point. Duval brings so much more to the table in terms of quickness, his ability to get to the 10. Now, we just talked about people growing to be 120 years old. That's why you're not going to make it to 120 because you just died about five years worth when you said Duke's going to win. Just think about the dominance. 2015, Duke wins it. Carolina's in it in 16, gets cheated by Villanova. They win in 17, 
and if Duke goes again, you got like what dominance from the ACC is unbelievable. I, I don't think anybody was talking about dominance with the ACC when UMBC beat Virginia this weekend. But anyway, go ahead, Trent. Who do you? Who's your national champ at this point? Going well, into Sweet 16 weekend, Gonzaga is going to get heartbroken by the cheaters Villanova, according to Brandon. So you think you've got Villanova and They're you've got to beat Gonzaga. Yep. Gonzaga gets to be the bridesmaids again. And Ricky, I know who you got. Of course got. I've got Duke. But yeah. here's an interesting point. ACC's – I'm sorry, Big 12 is 8-3, ACC 10-6, and six, SEC 8-6, and six, Pac-10 0-3. 0-3. that something? And the Pac-12, we all knew they were down this year, but I love it. That they've gotten smacked around with the sort of the crowning being uh, beat, being Arizona. Kentucky beating who? I have Kentucky beating A and M. No, wait a minute. They no, can't can't play each other. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I've got Kentucky beating Purdue. Duke. Duke. Oh, okay. Yeah, I got Kentucky beating Duke. Um, I do want to say this. We were talking about the economics of the social media buzz around UMBC. Trent looked something up during the break. And Butler, when they lost in the national title game to Duke, to Duke, admission and applications were up sixty eight percent. Sixty two percent. I'm sorry. Yes. At Butler. Yeah. Sixty two percent in Within the year following the loss to Duke. People don't crazy. know what state Butler is in. They don't. It's a beautiful downtown Indianapolis. The campus is amazing. I've had three people in my family uh, graduate from Butler. So I have a soft spot for the Bulldogs. You know, we were talking about Charlotte. And, and Charlotte is that. not necessarily a, a city that NBA players want to go to. Yeah, have you been to Indianapolis? Yes. That is a gorgeous downtown. It is. That it's is nice. gorgeous. I've, I've been to the Final Four for a few times. You okay? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it is a really nice place. I think it's very underrated. Oh, I agree. And, you, you know, know, Butler was the last team to be the bridesmaid twice in the national title game. That is true. Just and, you know, winning. Butler actually might get that championship if Duke vacates that win. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Stevens wins the national title. <laughs> With Gordon Hayward. Great job, Butler. Talking about your Celtics real, real quick to put a bow on this. The injuries have decimated that team. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any chance they can find a way that Brad Stevens can cobble that back together and get those guys and make a serious run? I, I would never bet against it. I don't think they can get past Toronto. I can still see them getting to the uh, – the Eastern Finals. All right. Well, thanks. It's another show down. We appreciate all you guys. We'll see you next time around. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.